Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. I'm Tom Wooden and I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, the peak industry body for the tourism industry here in the beautiful state of Tasmania. If you're a regular listener to Talking Tourism, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener and enjoy today's episode, remember there are now over 80 Talking Tourism conversations available from wherever you access your podcasts, or you can simply stream them online at the TICT website, which is tict.com.au. Now, we're going to get straight into today's conversation. I'm joined here by a gaggle of credentialed academics. I think that's the collective noun. Uh, We have Dr. Daniel Hanna, the Executive GM of Corporate Affairs at Federal Group, Monica Belhage, the PhD candidate at UTAS, and Dr. Kim Lehman, Senior Lecturer and PhD Supervisor at UTAS. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hi. Thank nice you. Thank you. And just quickly uh, to give our listeners a, a run through of each of you, Daniel, you first as the Executive General Manager, Corporate Affairs at Federal Group. Daniel is responsible for government relations, media, regulatory affairs, stakeholder management and external communications. Prior to joining Federal Group in 2011, Daniel was the Chief Executive Officer of the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania for three and a half years. TICT is an industry association representing the interests of tourism operators. From 2003 to 2007, he was employed as the General Manager of the Australian Hotels Association in Tasmania. From 91 to 2003, Daniel worked with the Commonwealth Government. Largely based in Canberra, he held senior positions within the Department of Employment and Workplace Relations and the Department of Finance. Prior to returning to Tasmania, he was a Director within the Budget Group of the Department of Finance in Canberra. Daniel holds an honours degree in political science from the Australian National University and a PhD in political science at the University of Tasmania. Monica. Born in Lithuania, Monica studied in sociology as an undergraduate and spent the past two years in Indonesia furthering her studies before pursuing the industry-funded PhD program with the University of Tasmania. And I've no doubt her spiel will read three times as long as Daniel's before uh, for much longer. <laughs> Kim. Dr. Kim Lehman is an adjunct senior researcher at the University of Tasmania and a visiting research fellow at the Liverpool Business School, Liverpool John Moores University, UK. His research interests focus on the arts and cultural sectors and he has been published in the Journal of Business Research, the Journal of Marketing Management and the Annals of Tourism Research. Dr. Lehman is lead editor of the book Exploring Cultural Value, Contemporary Issues for Theory and Practice, published by Emerald UK in 2021. Right, there's a good overview, and I do feel a little bit here like we've got the band back together uh, because um, I was lucky enough to be part of this little crew when this whole thing began uh, a couple of years ago and when Monica kicked off, um, and we're going to be hearing about this at the Tourism Conference today. Can you give us an overview about exactly what it is we're talking about? Well, who begins? I'm happy to kick off, Tom, and it it is great to have the band back together. It's good to see you again. Yeah, this this project, look, this all came about, the idea, probably five years ago. This was prior to Mac 1 opening. 
our company had, had was obviously had this great new concept, a, a new idea. We weren't 100% sure it was going to work or it wasn't. But what we wanted to put in place was a research project so that we could understand sometime down the track, which we're, we're at now, about yeah, was this working? Was this a good model? Is this something that we could apply to our business moving forward? And more broadly, was this a good way for the Tasmanian tourism industry to develop uh, a heavily experience-based product like Mac One? We came together with Kim and I'll, I'll let Kim take over. Yeah, oh, well, uh, it's one of those, um, in some ways, you know, quite Tasmanian uh, uh, things that happened. And that is that uh, one of my former students was actually working for the federal group in the marketing area. Yep. Um, I had uh, I caught up with him once uh, when I was in Hobart and just was telling him about a project that I'd done in, in Launceston around uh, motivations to visit the Queen Victoria Museum and Art Gallery. He suggested that the marketing folks at federal might be interested in just the general idea. So it went on from there. Right. Just a series of meetings then after that, just honing and shaping what we were actually going to do mm. with the, the conclusion of the beginning, that we would um, go down a, a co-funded PhD-based contract research job. It's a bit of a mouthful, really. Yep. But essentially, um, you know, industry-focused, in- industry-defined topic, um, but done within a traditional uh, PhD um, academic structure. Total win-win, obviously. You know, it's exactly the sort of uh, data uh, or study that a business like Federal Group would like to get out and, and understand about its hotel, but it also benefits a PhD student and enter Monica. Yes, absolutely. So that's how I came into the whole project. Thanks to Daniel and thanks to Kim, obviously. So three years ago, no, three years and a half, yeah, I've been down there in Indonesia living my life. And then, you know, I come up with this great opportunity to come down to Tasmania and be a part of this really fascinating project. Once I got to to know what the Mac One is about, you know, all related to the experiences and storytelling, I thought like, wow, this is an interesting product in a place where I've never been before. And then I thought like, I'll give it a go and try, you know. And then I had a chance to meet Kim and he, he was the one interviewing me. And after... A week or so, Mm. I think I've got the notice that I was the lucky one, chosen one, and I was really grateful. So I came down here to Tasmania, and the only thing that I knew about it was the, obviously, Tasmanian devils, the only thing that everyone else (laughs) did in Europe, for example. And surprised that they didn't make the sound (laughs) in the cartoons. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, and I guess, you know, ever since then, I was really, like, engaged and involved with Daniel and, and Kim all the time through, and, you know, we were looking into the hotel, into the strategy that hotel is using to, you know, to make those things really experiential and immersive and, uh, you, you know, very engaging and just to stimulate, you know, guests' uh, hearts, stimulate their minds, you know, to uh, attract them and make them connect to the place per se. So I think that was the core thing and that, that's what I found it really very fascinating and that was my main thing to look into, you know as a student. So for you, it was a new place to be living yes. uh, and a new hotel, brand yes. new hotel. Yeah, never been to Australia before and Tasmania was my first place where I came into. Yeah. Yep. So I know, and I was uh, heading up marketing, tourism marketing at the time for Mac One. Uh, and so I was there right at the beginning when you Correct. were coming up with what the question would be. What was the problem question? Uh, and I left before I think that was arrived at. Yeah. T- tell us, what's, what's the study look like? What was it you were trying to So now, yeah. So thank you for that question, actually. So now the overall aim of the research is actually to look into the experiential marketing that the hotel is using to... Uh, sort of influence hotel guests' perceptions and their overall experience of a place-based hospitality product because we all know that Mac One is based uh, 
on a place, right? Like related to the concept of place, let's say. So, And for our listeners who don't know, can you explain how, yeah, how Mac One is? Yeah, of course. And so for those who do not know, Mac One is actually um, a hotel that is conceived around a ho- storytelling um, concept, right? So there are 114 rooms and every room is telling a different story based on an, on an individual, on, on, on a real character, you know, of Tasmania from the past and present. So these rooms are telling stories of those people through different kind of branding materials, through the design, through the marketing collateral, many, many different touch points, let's say, of the customer journey from the hotel, from the moment you enter the hotel to the moment you go to the lifts up, you know, straight to your rooms and so on. So everything is connected to storytelling. And that's the way how you can experience the hotel. And, you know, you know, you, you get all the elevated emotions and your experience then is very heightened, I would say. Yeah, and con- you, you feel more connected to the place because the hotel is also on the waterfront. So you are facing uh, the docks and then the mountain, you know, which is a, in a beautiful historical um, place in Hobart. So I think that's the whole co- complex things, yeah, sure. actually. Yeah, so it's just, not... Just point it. That's probably a better description than I could have come up with for, for Mac 1. Uh, oh, dogs. really? Yeah, Stop, nailed words. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I could talk and talk about it, I guess, because, you know, it's been three years and have just reading and listening and, uh, yeah, trying to examine and investigate the thing, so. Yeah. And so were there things that you thought you would find out that, that perhaps you didn't or things that, that affirmed your original thinking? From my own perspective, I think uh, what I've found out was really interesting to see how connected people are within Tasmania. And, you know, I've heard just people talking that Tasmanians are different. This is a very distinctive place. And then, you know, you can't really realise that once you are embedded in the setting and once you actually engage with the people and talk about with them. Which I've got to say, <laughs> I reckon that makes it even uh, even more fitting that it was yes. somebody coming in externally uh, to I experience that so. because you, you didn't have that kind of preconception about exactly. Tasmanians and we became Non-biased. a fauna <laughs> to study in, in our own right. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So just seeing that connection to place, connection to people, you know, that community engagement as well, I think that was really very, very fascinating to me yep. as a foreigner as well, mm. yeah. What about you, Kim? I was just going to add there one thing that to um, to stress is that this was an academic, an academic research project that, that Monica was going to have to work for uh, to get a PhD. So that means that it had its own research integrity. So she wasn't there to do a contract research job in the sense of you know his federal's uh, you know requirements um, you know and go and investigate that. So we had to formulate a, um, problems and uh, and put it in within an academic framework. So in other words, Monica's not necessarily going to find that everything's rosy. No, sure. It's a critical study, um, which is not to say that, that everything's bad either, I might add, um, but, you know, it needs to be put in, in within that sort of, you know, theoretical framework for, for Monica to actually get her PhD, which is about original contribution to research. The difference that we've done here, though, of course, is that we've we've got an industry-defined dis- problem, um, and, and that's one of the things about uh, uh, where we interviewed Monica, um, wh- I mean, while we went down that route. So, you know, otherwise... PhD candidates would come and say, this is what I want to do. Well, this wasn't like that. This was, you know, here's, here's a thing that we need to do. Well, let's get the best candidate to actually do that, do that research, basically. So we'll be uh, providing Federal with um, you know, industry reports. Um, there's an interim one that we're in the process of writing now, and then there'll be a final one that comes out at the same time as, as the PhD. So to provide insights, you know, directed specifically at what the whole thing was all about right from the word go. So when I ask, are there any things that were surprising? Are we at a stage where you can't quite disclose what you've found yet or is there...? 
Yeah, let's keep it as a secret okay. for now. Yeah, yeah. I can see uh, you've got Daniel sitting next to you, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> and and look, that, as we we went down the road with this project, uh, yeah, this this isn't the sort of research that every company in the tourism industry is going to want to invest in. Um, this is it's very long term in nature. So, if you've got a, a a question that you need a resolution and you need an answer quickly, then a PhD project quite clearly not the avenue to go down. That's where you would contract in uh, research. So, But we we wanted to, we were interested long-term. Obviously, our company does think long-term and we look at investments a long time ahead. So that's why we're prepared to spend three and a half to four years uh, with very intense uh, look at, at a, a, a question that had been defined both by ourselves but also uh, through the university. So it passed all the tests of academic rigour, if you like. Mm-hmm. Where we found the real benefit is, uh, and uh, you know, I go along to, to our meetings that we hold periodically, it, it, it allows you to elevate out of the day-to-day. One thing in the tourism industry is you're down in the weeds, you're solving problems, you're dealing with the next crisis or bushfire, as, as we all find. Uh, this allows you occasionally to get up and start to think a bit more strategically, start to think big picture, and that's what we really liked about this project, is that it's allowed us to do that. And that helps anyone. There's a, you know, that old saying in, in the tourism industry that you, you want to be um, working not just in your business but on your business. Mm-hmm. This is a really good way to do that if you've got an ongoing research project that forces you to elevate, to think a little higher and think a little wider. So we're here at the, the Tasmanian Tourism Conference 2021 uh, and you guys are going to be presenting straight after lunch on exactly this what is it you think that other tourism businesses can take from this? I mean, is there anything that you can speak of that you've learned perhaps? I mean, obviously Mac One is a very unique proposition, um, but it doesn't own storytelling. Um, there are other ways that uh, tourism operators can tell stories and connect with their guests. Totally, yeah. yeah. So I guess there are three main take-home points for the industry that I could highlight. So the first one for sure is the communication strategies used by the firm. So in order to succeed in the really highly competitive marketplace, right, all the facets of the firm's communication strategies, be it organizational or brand or whatever it is, should actually be consistent, coherent and work together. You know, so we, like, let's say if you are saying that uh, this is the our shared vision, but then it's not really mirrored and reflected in the behavior of the employees or within the design of the place of, of the product offered and so on, then you will see the clash. So everything should be consistent and work together. The second thing is to actually look into the nature of the consumer. So mm-hmm. every firm should really know well who, the, who their customers, like who they are, what do they want, what are their needs, mm-hmm. how do think has changed and, you know, sort of reflect on those things. So despite, regardless, the successfulness of the tactical aspects used by the firm, the effectiveness of a place-based experiential marketing strategy, for example, will still depend on the nature of the customer. So, for example, the personality type, their, their previous hotel experiences, um, the purpose of this day as well. Mm-hmm. So there are many, many, many things that actually make up the, that complexity of the nature of a customer. So people, like firms should be aware of that. And the third one is the nature of the place. Yep. So again, if your product is based on a place, you should be aware where it is, mm-hmm. how authentic it is, mm-hmm. And whether it's authentic, what are the themes that surround the area and the place and so on. So mm. it, it, it's, again, all about the, you know, the place-based concept because the same idea might not work somewhere else. Of course, yeah. So that's the main thing as well. So like, like three main, main things that I said and highlighted. Mm. 
the communication strategies should be all aligned mm -hmm. and work together, the nature of the customer that you should be really be aware of, and then the nature of the place. Yeah. And that authenticity, I know, is really important. And when we were developing Mac One, uh, there was this kind of line to tread between not not being kitsch with this and having it all about characters and Tasmanian characters, but then becoming uh, surreal characters. Or because this was really about uh, conveying to visitors that uh, these were real Tasmanians and come and learn the stories of what has formed this place that we're in. So the idea of operators around the state uh, being able to apply a similar kind of uh, heritage or story from their destination. So it's nothing gimmick about it. It's no, real, real, absolutely. actual, yeah. true, authentic stories. And that's what the customers love about it. Mm, yep. Fantastic. Is this the sort of thing you think you might see, say, Federal Group doing again? Is it the sort of thing you'd like to see industry embark on again? Uh, I, th I think I would. I think, and one of the things that I'm going to talk about today is, I guess, you know, throw out some challenges really both for industry and probably for the university as well. Um, you know, it's interesting to hear Monica talk about, about place. And if you look at, at the strategy of the University of Tasmania now, it's to be a place-based institution. And I think what we've found through this project is that this should be exactly in the sweet spot of where university and industry can work together yep. moving forward. So this is not one or the other approaching uh, the other to, to um, define the problem and come up with a project. This is two parties coming together around a common set of issues and working together on a, on a project. Um, not every uh, one in our industry is probably going to want to invest in a PhD project, but there are other ways that research collaboration can work. I think, um, you know, and I, and I think Tasmania should be a leader in tourism research. I've, I've thought this for a long, long time. You know, we are right up at the pinnacle of the world in terms of practice of tourism. We are recognised as leaders in the way our industry has developed in the last 20 to 30 years. Yet when it comes to tourism research, I don't think Tasmania leads the way. I, yet I think we're ideally placed to do so and it would fit beautifully with the University of Tasmania's strategy. So I, I'd like to see more of a focus on, um, on the university and industry collaborating around research projects. They could be PhDs, but they could be shorter, sharper pieces of work together. And I think it'll, um, you know, it'll work really well for, uh, for our industry because you know, one thing that we know about tourism is there are very low levels of research and development in our industry when you compare it to the sciences or to engineering. We just don't do that. I think this is a really good model mm -hmm. uh, that we should look to uh, moving forward and um, you know, I'd like to see the university take it up. There's the, uh, there's the offer or there's the request. Do I represent the university? <laughs> <laughs> I, I suspect not. In this context. Um, no, but, uh, well, I can talk about <laughs> it from the researcher's perspective and, and, and I think that um, what this proves uh, is that a genuine engagement is vital. And I'm not trying to imply that other things don't have that genuine engagement, but you do have to be genuine. In fact, our version of authentic, if you like. So um, it, it, there needs to be two-way uh, communication, but there also needs to be mutually beneficial outcomes, which is, sounds a bit, you know, airy-fairy really, but, but it is entirely possible as long as you start right at the beginning to have um, outcomes, positive outcomes for both parties, but it needs to be understood right at the start and discussed as right up front. This is what I can do. This is what I get. This is what you can do. This is what you get. Um, too often um, universities are, um, are not speaking 
picking a particular one. Too often universities will come in with a certain arrogance, I think, and say, well, look, I, we can bless you with this great research sure. project. Yeah, you yeah. just come and give us some data, will you? Um, you know, and it's just not going to work. That's not, that's not genuine engagement and that's not a genuine engagement with place either. So, uh, and I should say too that sometimes that's, a, that's an institutional corporate culture issue and less so related to individual researchers who, you know, frequently have, you know, the best of intentions, but you've got to work within that bureaucracy. So to stay true to the uh, Mac one theme here, uh, which is about character stories, uh, Monica, I'm interested to know what's next for you. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I guess only the future will show. But yeah. um, look, Tom, I think uh, after doing this project, I really see myself um, being embedded in the industry. Mm-hmm. And I will, would like to try something, you know, and put my knowledge into practice. Here in Tasmania? I reckon. Great. I'll, I'll try, yeah, yep. to, you know, leave my talent here and contribute. We would love to hold on And to contribute <laughs> in a way. So yeah. I guess that's, that's what I'm planning, you yep. know, but... Nobody knows. Fantastic. We'll see. Okay, great. Well, guys, thank you very much. Uh, I'm sure those that come along to your session uh, in a very short time now um, will get a lot out of it and uh, I can't wait to see the final report when it is finally released. Before we wrap up, we are going to get into the big seven <laughs> of talking tourism. <laughs> <laughs> I still wish we had some bells and squeakers and things for our sound effects there, but maybe uh, Luke can find some money in next year's budget for that. All right. We've got seven questions. Uh, I'd like an answer from each of you. Therefore, we're going to need one word answers or at least very short answers. So the pressure is on. Are you ready? We're going to start with Monica and go around that way. Okay, question one. Favourite spot in Tasmania and why? Bushwalking. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's not a spot, but for me it's a way. It's a way. It's a way of being uh, active, you know, going out and about in Tasmania you know, offers that. Okay, great. Daniel? Dens Point, Bruny Island, where our shack is. It's about (laughs) the destination as well as the journey. Okay, good one. Uh, Holy Portsrell area. That's where I spent a lot of time when I was a young teenager. So, yeah, fond memories. So did I. Great Mm. spot. Absolutely. (laughs) Question two. Favourite travel destination anywhere in the world? Indonesia. Scotland. Anywhere particularly in Scotland? Love the Highlands. Uh, Paris. Been lucky enough to go there on a a regular basis for work, so Paris. Terrific. Question three. Someone coming to Tasmania for the very first time in their life, obviously had their head in the sand, asks you what's the one thing they absolutely must experience while they're here? What do you tell them? Climb the Mount Wellington. Uh, experience having a beach all to yourself. Great answer. You've stolen my that's thunder excellent. because I was, I was going to say the East Coast because yeah. that's for the same reason. People yeah. around other places do not understand what it's like to go to a beach where there's no one there. Yep. No, yeah. that's a terrific <laughs> True. answer. You can both have that one. You're walking the overland track for five days with three other people. Anyone in the world, famous, not so famous, dead or alive, who and why? You know whom I would take? Who's that? Kim and Daniel. Ah. <laughs> we've been there, we've done it together, we know each other. I would trust them there. And Hardy, she get a, a gig there as well? There's got to be a third. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like, you owe me one, Anne. <laughs> Daniel. Oh, look, sounds a bit glib, but um, my father, who passed away, I think, it, you know, there are so many questions you have when you lose a parent, and I, 
I, while I was lucky enough to ask a lot of those questions while he's alive, there's a lot more I'd, I've thought up since then. I'd love to ask him over a over a five day period. I know he loved walking too. Great. We'll leave the other two out of it then. Just just your dad. That's lovely. <laughs> Kim? Uh, I'm going to say three Nepalese Sherpas to carry me because there's no way I'm going to walk <laughs> the overland. <laughs> okay, you are road tripping around Tasmania. What are you listening to in the car? Bee Gees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It just comes <laughs> to my mind. <laughs> I've got a big collection. I'd have it on shuffle. I like surprises. Okay. I like to talk to my wife, so I don't, we don't actually have anything on in the car. Wow, that is some amazing brownie points for you. <laughs> Terrific. I'm still waiting for somebody to respond to the Talking Tourism podcast, but I'm sure <laughs> we will get there. When you arrive at your destination on this road trip, what is your tipple of choice? Riesling, Tasmanian. Uh, just recently, as in yesterday, I stopped off at Devil's Corner and bought a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. So that's what I would do and then drank it as soon as I got home. Okay. <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> Maybe for me, any sparkling wine. Off any sparkling mind. wine, yeah. any Tassie sparkling. Yeah, Tassie yep. sparkling. You've got some rippers I to choose bubbles. from too. Yeah, yep. fantastic. Okay, now here's the debate between you and between uh, everybody else that's been uh, interviewed on these podcasts. Curried Tasmanian scallops, a culinary delight or a culinary crime? Delight. I made it on the weekend. I made a you curried made scallop pie, a family one. Uh, yeah, Fantastic. Must use Keen's curry powder. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not Tasmanian, I'm afraid, but still good. No, I'm, I'm a fan. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pro courage scallops. Monica? Yeah, me too. Okay, yeah. unanimous. Wow. Yeah, yeah, unanimous. Terrific. Mm. Okay, Agreed. good to hear. Guys, thanks so much. Good to see you all again. And, uh, yeah, look forward to this afternoon's session. Thank, Thank you, you for much. having us. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Talking Tourism. Remember to subscribe to hear more episodes as we release them every two weeks or so. Also remember to tell a friend or tourism colleague to check out our podcasts. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. I'm your host, Tom Wooten, and we'll catch up next time. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.